Hi, I'm Diane Shannon. I'm an internal medicine physician, award-winning writer, and certified coach. I learned the hard way about the cost of burnout. And in the 20 plus years since, I have dedicated my life to addressing physician burnout. I run a coaching company where I help women in medicine navigate the stresses inherent in the profession and the additional challenges that they experience. Join me as I investigate the underlying causes of the higher burnout rates in women and what we can do about them individually and collectively. We can banish burnout and thrive as women in medicine. Welcome to this episode of Vital Signs, Thriving as a Woman in Medicine. Today, my guest is Dr. Karen Weiner, and she is an experienced physician leader. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. So I want to start just by asking you, where are you located in the country and what do you do? Yeah, well, I am bi-coastal. I go back and forth between New Jersey and Oregon. And I am a leadership advisor and strategic thought partner to uh, clinicians, clinician leaders, people who are in leadership roles and who are aspiring to leadership roles. Great. Welcome today. Um, and as a warm up question, with one of the cities that you are where you lo- are located, what would you say is something that a guest or a tourist should not miss to either see or do in one of those locations? Sure. Well, when I moved to New Jersey, my friends and family on the West Coast thought, you know, what on earth, right? We Many of us on the West Coast have some preconceived notions about New Jersey. Uh, where I'm located, which is the beautiful Hunterton County, my sister who lives in Northern California came to visit me. She said, this isn't New Jersey, this is Napa. So there are some really beautiful places all over the country. West Coasters tend to be West Coast centric, but there is beauty wherever you go. Great. Yes, I know a lot of New Jersey is actually farmland and really mm-hmm. beautiful. Great. All right, Karen, what challenge would you like to focus on today? Well, one of the reasons I got into leadership was my interest in helping physicians influence and navigate their environments in service of their own experience as physicians and also in, in service of their patients' experience. My original foray into leadership was about understanding burnout and 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 how organizations, you know, kind of make or break the experience. Uh, so I, I think an area of focus that is a passion of mine is, is helping clinicians influence their environment more effectively. Uh, I, I just finished a graduate program in organizational psychology specifically because I wanted to understand the the theoretical and the academic underpinnings of organizational psychology as it relates to healthcare. So physicians are now toiling away in these large healthcare systems. They're very focused on their experience, you know, doctor, patient, and trying to influence on behalf of their patients, on behalf of their own experience in these large systems can be really complex. And, And my opinion is that we as physicians are not trained in in leadership and in influence the way we really need to be. And how does that lack of training and influence show up on a daily basis for a physician? 
Well, I, I mean, it can be in in every form of their um, of their experience with the organization. So organizations are trying to make changes in workflows, trying to uh, improve outcomes, trying to improve you know quality metrics, whatever those are that those inf- those impact how physicians are practicing medicine every day. And if a physician cannot participate in that effectively by by influencing the outcomes of these of these workflow changes by by uh, being able to negotiate within the context of what the organization is trying to accomplish and and negotiate on behalf of their patients um, it can it can be a loss for for the patient experience and outcomes and also for the clinician's experience right well I'm thinking of some of the physician clients I've worked with and how, one of their frustrations has been there's a decision made by someone in leadership and it's kind of handed down to them and it actually has a big impact on their daily work and their experience helping patients. And they don't know how to give that feedback. They don't know how to influence those sorts of decisions. Is that some of what you're talking about? It's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I think about it in terms of kind of, you know, one of those mall maps of you are here. So as a physician, and I and this is the way I used to think about it, is that the physician-patient interaction is the apex of the organization, and the entire organization is built around that to support that. Uh, and as much as we'd like to think that that's the case, the reality is is very different. Organizations have their their, you know, their mission, their vision, their values, their their um, their goals, their metrics, and uh, especially with these large systems, the the dynamic of the clinician and the patient is part of the system, but it lives in a very specific area. And so, the benefit of a physician understanding the mall map is that they they can then understand how to influence. So, if you don't understand what drives the the executive team if you don't understand what it what drives the the you know the managers that are managing the clinic um it's very hard to influence around you and 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 it takes energy to understand what somebody else's goals are if they're not yours or if you don't understand that to say that 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 some of the administrators around you have have noble goals have specific goals <clears throat> and just pretending they don't exist is not helpful right well, I'm thinking of an, a recent example where a physician client of mine was working out something that she wanted to ask for, but really didn't know what the department chair's goals were. How would you suggest someone like that find out? How do they find out what that other person's goals are so that they can most effectively influence that decision? That's a great question. And I don't want to imply that it is that it is all the responsibility of the clinician to figure this out. When I work with leaders, this is the this is the majority of of what I work on with them is improving communication, improving their ability to influence by helping the people around them understand the context. So so it's it's a it is definitely a two-way street. Um, but but always when you think about how, you know how can i make things better you have to start with what's in my circle of influence what can i do so this this clinician that you're describing um the best way to find out and understand what are the dynamics around you is to ask is to make you know set up a meeting and go in truly with with curiosity and humility when I mean, we all have our agendas but 
really trying to understand the perspective. What is it that we're trying to accomplish in service of what? What are the, you know, what's the roadmap here? And how does my work fit into that? And, and I can guarantee that a leader that hears from a physician saying, I really want to understand what's important to you and what you're trying to accomplish is going to want to engage. Um, you know, I, 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 when I was CEO and I would get an email saying, I want to meet with you, you know, my first thought was, oh no, you know, I might get, this might be, you know, a, 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 a com one hour complaint session, but it generally wasn't. People really wanted to understand what is it we're getting at here? What are we doing? Why are we changing these workflows? And, and, and when somebody was really curious about that, it was very engaging to me. And I wanted to win hearts and minds. I wanted to understand what their barriers were. So it, it opens up that conversation. Right. So what I'm hearing and what you're saying is it's almost like there's this gap or this divide between the the individual and the supervisor or their leader. And that really it's a matter of communication, learning how to communicate and how to come together. And then the influence comes from that. Do I have that right? I think you do. And and what I want to emphasize is that it's about understanding yourself. Like, what is my role? How can I improve my influence? So it seems that we always kind of focus on the others. Like, well, they're not listening. Well, I've told them seven times. I mean, I've sent an email out. I'm a leader and I've sent the email and I mentioned this in the town hall. They should know it by now. And the, the moment that you catch yourself doing that is a moment to stop and say, what else do I need to be doing? What am I, what am I missing? And I would say it's the same responsibility for, for the clinician, for the physician to say, you know, I don't feel like I'm influencing here. Clearly I can point out all the ways in which my leadership is failing, you know, all the ways in which administrators are just going about their business, not paying attention to what is important to the patient here. Um, and, and that may very well be true, but to really move the needle, then the next question is, Okay, let me pause here. How am I showing up in these conversations? Am I showing up in these conversations? What are my tendencies? How curious am I really being? Do I really want to know? And do I really want to hear what are the needs and the goals of the organization? Um, you know, it's that really, it's that humility and curiosity that just, that is the foundational work for improving influence. And it's not about, oh, you know, who's more powerful or who's got more clout or who's got more, you know, leverage in this conversation. Um, those, those things do play into, into it when you're, when you're thinking about what is my um, strategy for having this conversation. And we can talk more about that, but it starts with humility, curiosity, and self-reflection about how am I showing up in these conversations? Right. So it really starts with oneself. Always, <laughs> always. Yeah. And Karen, I know before we get to strategy, I know you mentioned earlier that one, you know, as physicians, we are not trained. We don't, we, we don't have this sort of training. What are some of the other causes or underlying drivers for this discomfort or inability to influence? What, what, what else gets in the way? I would say the the way we are trained as physicians, I mean, if you think about the terminology, we give orders, we are prescriptive, you know, we it is very much a one one way communication. We expect compliance. Uh, and and that, there's nothing wrong with that in, in the in the patient uh, uh, 
dynamic, you know, or, 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 you know, barking out orders in a, in an emergency setting, like there are, there's, there's reason for that. Uh, and we are also trained as subject matter experts. So we expect that when we show up and we share our, somebody asks our opinion and we share it, that it's going to get taken to heart and it's going to be taken as, you know, as gospel in a way. I mean, okay, you can decide whether you're going to be compliant with that or not, but, but I'm, what I'm telling you is this is, this is what I know. This is my expertise. Uh, and so we are set up to, to, to not effectively influence when it comes to these um, uh, organizational dynamics, which are much more nuanced. Uh, when we get called as a physician, get called into a, a meeting to be a subject matter expert, we're there in that mindset. We're not there to really learn and understand and see the value of, of other people's expertise. It just doesn't come naturally. I mean, I'm speaking in generalities, but I think that that is how we're trained. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a there's one right answer, uh, and there and we're solution focused. We're always solution focused rather than really really understanding the problem prior to coming up with solutions. Uh, um, again, a general statement, but I think these are some of the the ways in which the culture of medicine trains us to to have less indirect influence than than uh, than we can have if we build out that skill set. Great. So let's talk about that now. How how do we move forward if we want to become better at influencing? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, self-awareness and self-knowledge is really the the basis. So so what are my tendencies? If I'm gonna, if I'm in a situation where I'm where my needs are not getting met or I'm worried my needs are not going to be met. And that can be in a in a direct negotiation, you know, for a job or for, you know, more money, whatever, or it could be uh um you know, as your as your department is taking on new new workflows or trying to, you know, change the way care is delivered, uh, and you're concerned that you're not going to get your needs met. What what are your default tendencies? What do you tend to do? Do you tend to shut down? Do you tend to close your door? Do you tend to yell and get really prescriptive? Um, uh, you know, do you get holier than thou and just shut everybody down around you? I mean, there, we have lots of different ways of of controlling our environment when we're stressed. And if you don't know how that, how, how you show up in a room, then you're, you're not gonna be able to be proactive to say, okay, I'm feeling this way. My blood pressure is rising in this department meeting or in this clinic meeting. Um, how, how now am I going to express myself in a way that keeps everybody receptive to my perspective? Because I have something really important that I need to share. So that's number one. Uh, so talking about self-awareness, um, the next kind of thing that builds on that is situational awareness. So what is my what is my my power in this environment? What is my um, my leverage? I mean, that's an important thing. Like, what is the relationship here uh, um, as it relates to the situation? What is what we call, you know, BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement? What's going to happen if I if I if we don't come to terms about this? I mean, if again, if you're in a situation where your clinic's taking on work, your organization's taking on changes, and you're digging your heels in, what is that going to look like? How's that going to play out if this doesn't, if you can't 
uh, work through this. And so is, does that mean you're going to tap out and you're going to leave the organization? If that's the case, that's something you need to know. If, if you are going to get fired, if you don't, you know, you got to understand the, 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 the context in which the conversation is happening. So self-awareness, situational awareness, and then relational awareness. So what, what are the relationships in the room? Who are the people I'm talking to? What are the needs um, of the relationship on the other side of this conversation, on the other side of this negotiation? Is this a is this a one and done, or is this some somebody I'm going to be having to work with um, going forward and and live with the outcome of whatever this conversation is going to bring? Uh, so I think that 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 is the strategy going into a a. Um, a tense conversation, a heated conversation uh, uh, where you know that you need to advocate for yourself and your patients, you have to understand all of that context because otherwise you're just going to be reactive and you're going to find yourself potentially in a situation where you didn't want to end up. Right. You know, I, I talk with my my clients about um, leading with curiosity in these situations and also not going in with all the emotion. Like, can you leave some of that hot and heavy emotion at the door just for this conversation? So, so I think that's reflective of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's these kind of four principles around negotiation or around having these conversations. And the first one is people, which is separate the people from the problem. So understand like that, 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 Yes, you have relationships with these people, but or or you know, tense relationships with these people, but really focusing on the problem creates a situation where the two the two parties are actually facing the problem problem rather than facing off. Mm -hmm. Great. What else? So you've mentioned being aware of oneself, knowing the kinds of ways that you might react and and owning that, the situational awareness the relational awareness. Are there any other things that, that we need to know about how to become better at influence? Well, it, especially when it comes to advocating uh, and, and when there's emotion in it, I think it's very, very helpful to go into these conversations uh, with the idea of, of interests over positions. So, understanding what's important to you, not, not necessarily the specific outcome, because that creates like digging your heels in, but like, here's what's important to me in this conversation. And with a focus on, I wonder what's important to the other party. Here's what I think I understand, but I'm going to go into this conversation asking more about it. So to be, to be having interest centric rather than position centric conversations uh, when you're wanting to uh, to influence an outcome where you feel like like maybe you you haven't been heard yet, right? That makes so much sense because we can get caught up in that the content of what that is and then face off at each other. But if we can get one step below that into what are the aspirations that each of us have, maybe we can find common ground. Absolutely, absolutely. It prevents that digging your heels in. It prevents a win lose mindset. Um, it prevents reductionist thinking. So there's a great parable that I will share that has to do with this. Um, and it's called, I think it's like two people, one orange. And so you go into, I don't know if you've heard this before, but you, you go into the situation, there are two people, there's one orange and, and they're supposed to split it up. So automatically you're going in and you're thinking, well, look, 
I, I, I get half, I get at least half, right? There's so half would be fair. Anything more than that would be a win for me. I'm going to go in and try and negotiate more than half, right? So if both people do that, what's the outcome? The outcome is the orange gets cut in half. Each person gets half. But if they had had the conversation beforehand, they would have learned that one person uh, wants to make juice and wants all the pulp, doesn't want any of the peel. Uh, the other person is, you know, making dried orange peels and only wants the peel. And so if you didn't have that conversation, you would actually end up with less than, than what you could have. And so understanding needs prior to coming to conclusions around um, decision-making is really the most valuable, but it requires openness, vulnerability, humility, curiosity, all of that. Right. Which comes back to what you said at the beginning about the importance of the curiosity and the humility. Absolutely. Right. Karen, I'm wondering if you can think of it, um, an example of when you have helped an individual or a team or organization with this, and the results were even more positive than you expected. I can actually, when we were um, uh, in my organization, there was there was some frustration between um, primary care and um, and orthopedics. So so there was there were some. I would say we weren't capturing all of the referrals that we that we wanted to capture. So I, I think I was the chief medical officer at that time. And my my job was to go investigate because ideally, if we're a multi-specialty medical group, we want to capture our referrals. It wasn't required, but we figured we wanted to be the best um, service for our own you know patients and so forth. So there was this miss. So I, I went and met with the pediatric department uh, because that was kind of a big specific dip there and asked the questions, what is going on? So, you know, why are we not, why are all of these referrals not c coming straight to our own orthopedic surgeons? Um, and, and come to find that there was a feeling that, that sometimes in these um, internal referrals, there would be pushback. So uh, the the pediatrician would say, I, I, you know, this kiddo's got a, you know, a fracture, a, a spiral fracture, I want them seen. And then the response would be, I'll see them in a week. So we'll see them next week. Well, the pediatrician was uncomfortable with that or the parent was uncomfortable with that. And so they would refer them out. Uh, so reasonable, right? The, 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 the pediatricians are not getting what they need. They send them out where there's you know, a quicker response. So I went and met with the orthopedic surgeons and had a conversation with them. And their perspective was, oh, like I'm I'm just trying to do what's right based on the medical, you know, that the, the, the child is in a splint and doesn't need to be seen for a week, like, or doesn't need to be seen for five days or whatever. So I'm just, I'm just giving that feedback based on, you know, what's the medical indication. They were completely missing the, the psychosocial need for when a two-year-old or a three-year-old has a fracture, or a small child has a fracture, it can be really scary for the parent. Maybe the pediatrician's not feeling really confident that the that the brace was the way it was, it, or the splint was the way it was it should be. And so there was this miss. And so, so both parties were just not um, aware of the other, what the other one's intentions were, and they were making up, you know, stories, uh, and, and, and then acting that, you know, so anyway, just exploring that being curious and not being, um, you know, coming in and saying, you have to do this differently. This is how it is. Uh, there was a, a change in the way that, that those referrals were made and it, it was beneficial for everybody. That's great. But that's a very, uh, 
specific example that I think a lot of listeners can understand, right? That there is this misunderstanding because there wasn't a conversation and each or each side is assuming something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very big into this idea of impact versus intent right now and how how big that is for all of us that that all we can really ever understand is our intent. Unless we get curious and have the conversations and ask the questions and convey an openness to understand what our impact is. Uh, and, and sometimes when we get feedback and it's not aligned with our intent, all we do is get defensive. And well, if I just take, if I just explain myself to you, then, then this will all be better. But in fact, the impact lives separately from the intent and uh, it, it, it requires communication to really get the full picture of what we mean versus, you know, how that is perceived. Right. Karen, thank you so much. I'm wondering if you have a pearl of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close. You know, I would say I'll speak kind of to women physicians right now, because I know that you, you kind of focus on women physicians and, and um, specific um, experience of women. I would I would love to see more women in leadership. Uh, I think that the the character of leadership in healthcare changes when there are more women in the room. Uh, I don't know if uh, you know just just kind of anecdotally what I have heard from from the people that I know. So really, this is not a research uh, project, but just people that I know that the women physicians are very overwhelmed in their work with the with um, with their family responsibilities with their clinic responsibilities, they will end up in leadership if somebody pulls them in. Uh, so, uh, but, but they don't necessarily naturally pursue it as much as, as male physicians do. Um, what I would say is if there's even an inkling that you, that any of this uh, is interesting to you about in, improving your influence, being able to change outcomes within healthcare, uh, find a mentor, um, uh, have conversations with other women who are in leadership and um, push yourself out of uh, the comfort zone, if you can call it that. I don't know how comfortable it is, but, you know, the push push yourself out from where you are to experience uh, leadership and, and see how that feels. And just know that we tend to have a different style than the, than, than the men around us. And that is a really healthy thing for healthcare. Great. Thank you for that. And if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, I'm very available on LinkedIn. So just, just look my name up, Karen Weiner. Uh, I also have a website called proprioconsulting.com. Uh, and it's just based on proprioception with the notion of we, we can't get where we want to be until we really know where we are. Great. Thank you. Karen, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today to talk about this such an important topic of influence as physicians and as others in healthcare. Um, so I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Diane. Thanks for having me. 